There was a little bit of a mix-up this morning and it was entirely my own fault. I didn't look at the schedule properly. So when myself and Father Martin met in the sacristy and I put on my microphone, he says, you have the wrong microphone. I said, what do you mean? He says, you're in the Koenig Center with the four-year-olds. Thank you. <laughs> so, so I uh, had to try and quickly adjust my sermon from the one I had for you to, or for the Mass at 10.45 to four-year-olds. So I called them up and I wanted to, I asked them what sport that they play. And one said uh, soccer, the other said basketball and they had a whole lot of different sports, sports. And then I said, so before you play a game, and you, uh, the coach brings you together, maybe a few days before a game. I said, what do you do? And they said, uh, well, we run around and we warm up and we do a whole lot of things like that. And I wanted them to say the word we practice, but one little kid put up his hand and he says, we strategize. <laughs> Four years of age, we strategize, yeah. So kind of the opening I wanted to give them was one that I hope you get because I didn't think maybe four-year-olds would have gotten it, especially Mr. Strategize. But uh, the gospel today is, uh, you know when you go to a concert or a, a, a musical, you know, Chicago Symphony, and there's, a, there's something coming up, like uh, you go there to watch a, a show, maybe a musical. So, you know, before the curtains come across, uh, the conductor comes out and everybody gives them an applause and then you see him holding up his hands and, and they play. They play a sample of every piece of music that you're going to hear when the production begins. It's called an overture. And it's always something very beautiful because it gives you, wow, that's nice. I look forward to hearing it in its fullness when the play or the musical begins. And that is what our gospel is today. It is a very beautiful overture of what God is doing in the world, and especially what God is doing in his son, Jesus Christ. And it comes like an overture of what's going to happen at Christmas and what's going to happen in the life of Jesus. Right from the very beginning, it says very, very bluntly that Mary was not married and yet she was found to be with child. So the very first word, the very first bluntness is scandal. It is scandalous what has happened to Mary. Scandalous that she's found to be with child and it's not Joseph's. So it gives us a tremendous insight into the life of Jesus that what he says and does is going to be scandalous in the lives of people and that's uh, very very true at one stage um, when Jesus is preaching Jesus uh, Mary and his family went to him and somebody said, your mother and brothers are sisters outside. Some translations, thank you. 
They came with their mom, and now they're up here. So thank you very much. So some translations would, would even go to say that Mary and his family believed Jesus was out of his mind in what he was saying and doing. Everybody found it scandalous. And even when he was being judged in his trial at the end, they were not expect he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. He was reinterpreting the law. When the paralytic was, was lowered from the roof down in front of him, Jesus was surrounded by the scribes and Pharisees. And he says, my child, your sins are forgiven you. And they said, who can forgive sins? Only God. And uh, telling them that he is, he is God in their midst. So there's incredible number of, of, of examples of that. The woman caught in adultery. Like, she should have been stoned to death. And yet he said, woman, go and sin no more. He spoke to her with the same reverential treatment, woman, as he did to his own mother Mary, woman. When they, at, at, the, at the, the miracle of, of the wedding feast of Cana. So there, nobody expected Jesus to be the Messiah he was. Even John the Baptist said, are you the one who is to come? Or should we wait for somebody else? Because they didn't expect a Messiah who, in his only three years, Jesus was a footprint, was a Messiah, was, was ministering for three years. And he spent the vast majority of this time in the remote places, among remote people, healing, encouraging, uplifting. And that is not what everybody was expecting. They were expecting a very powerful Messiah, a person of great strength who would change the oppression of the Roman Empire over their own people. So it was scandalous. His witness in the world as Messiah was scandalous. And this story is giving us insight into that. And the presence of Christ in the world today should continue to be scandalous. It should continue to shake up society and the norms at which society operates. So that is one thing that gives us an insight of what is coming in the life of Jesus. Another aspect that gives us an insight into the life of Jesus is that of Joseph. And Joseph, as a Jewish man in his day, was entitled to put Mary on trial in public. And obviously, one of the consequences of this possibly could have been stoning to death. But Jesus or Joseph didn't go in this direction. He didn't go in that direction. He decided to divorce her quietly. He wanted to be very discreet. He wanted to spare Mary the shame and embarrassment that would come with a public trial. So 
this once again gives us an insight, this time from Joseph's perspective, into the life of Jesus. And I give the example once again of the woman caught in adultery. People, you know, adultery, when you're being stoned to death, they dig a hole in the ground and bury you up to your waist and they stand around you with stones. And this is what was going to happen to this woman. Jesus looks on the ground, they're looking at her with stones in her hands. And then they ask her the question, he says, let the person who is without sin cast the first stone, and he looks down again. And then when they have all walked away, he looks up at her, and he addresses her woman, has no one condemned you, neither do I condemn you. And once again we see what Jesus does in his life. He doesn't condemn people in their faults and failings. He constantly uses some beautiful words for people who are caught in sin. My beloved, my child, woman. He doesn't define people by their perceived sin, by their perceived faults and failings. Rather, he always comes back to relating to people as God's beloved child. So once again, through Joseph, we are seeing an insight of what is going to come later on. My final point is that it was also providential that Joseph would be a carpenter. Because what does a carpenter do? He brings pieces together and builds furniture. So in spiritual understanding, the symbolism of a carpenter is a person who builds a home. And that is what Joseph is going to do. He's going to build a home, in a home in which Christ can be born and Christ can be raised. Once again, reminding us of what Jesus lived for. Jesus lived for a home that he called the kingdom of God among you. This is what he spoke about more than anything else, was the kingdom of God is among you. And that is a home in which there would be kindness and forgiveness and love and peace and justice. And that is what Jesus lived for and that is what he wanted the world to become. Become a place where the child could be born, in which everything that the child believed in would be what we believe in as well. So this overture is something that's very beautiful when we look at it. The message of, of Mary, the message of, of understanding and being aware that, that the message of Jesus Christ is often at odds with the message of the world in which we live in. That it is a message that emphasizes um, a love that is profoundly respectful of every human being. It is a message that tries to communicate that God delights in forgiving us, forgiving us our guilt and healing our resentments.
and a God who wants us to make forgiveness a way of life. And it is a God who, through the carpenter, and the, pers the person who sums this up beautifully is John Paul II, when he called about our responsibility to create a civilization of love and respect. And that is the invitation that Christmas gives to all of us, that we would make a home for the child Jesus in the world in which we live in today by creating a home in the world of civilization, a civilization of love and respect.